Welcome to the Bodcast Station, where we share exciting stories, interesting facts, lots of laughter, and lots of hope as we talk about caring for our human bodies in the 21st century. We have one ultimate goal, and that is to help you develop a newfound perspective and sense of appreciation for the incredible human body that you're living in. If you would like to join us for more educational courses or professional certifications, see us online at www.holistichealtheducators.com. Great to have you with us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode. We are so excited to have Sarah Schindler on with us. She is a birth coach and a uh, parenting coach and a holistic health educator. She's passionate about educating families. And you would think she mostly just worked or focused on educating women, um, you know, pregnant moms or, or moms that have newborns, but she really does care about educating the whole family so that um, the, you know, the act of bringing a child in the world can be a family effort. And the husband can be aware of the stages of labor and can be aware of what's going on in his wife's body during this time. So that's one thing that I've really loved about Sarah's approach is she really keeps the whole family in mind when she organizes birth classes um, and and does coaching with women. She really encourages them to, to bring their husbands with. So And they want to learn just as much. Um, sometimes they probably even have more questions if they're more like, you know, they're like, oh, well, how about this? How about that? You know, asking a bunch of technical questions. It's fun to hear about. And so um, we get to have her on today's call, and we're just going to be talking about some um, often overlooked tips that can really make a big impact in a woman's life as her body's preparing to, uh, is growing a child and delivering a child and then recovering from childbirth. So we get to talk about some of these tips and uh, processes of, of labor and delivery. And so let's just give a warm welcome to Sarah. Hello, Sarah. Thank you for coming. Hello. Thanks for having me. I love this topic, obviously, and I will try to be as concise as possible and not <laughs> ramble on about too much of the, the subjects because it's just, there's just so much to cover and so much to talk about. And it's, it's exciting for me. And I thank all of you guys for being here. Yeah, 100%. Um, right off the bat, would you mind just sharing real quick, what, what like sparked your passion for this topic so deeply? Um, my first child, I was, when I was five months pregnant with him, I had the um, anatomy ultrasound and they said that there was the right side of his heart didn't form. So it's called hypoplastic right heart syndrome. And he was going to need three surgeries for sure um, to correct it. To They basically changed the physiology of the way that the blood flows to the heart because once the, during birth, because babies don't actually breathe, they have no problem. Um, but after birth, the, um, it's a hole called the ductus arteriosus, it closes up. And then if that closes up, because there's no blood flow from the right side of the heart to his lungs, he would have suffocated. So they were able to keep that hole open and then do some corrective surgeries to rewire the blood flow. Um, and so because of that, I was very panicked, of course, because at first I was like, is my baby going to, am I going to even have this child? Um, what's this going to look like? And just threw myself into education and figuring out and um, seeing what I could have done, what I can do now to help prevent this, what could have caused it, all of, you know, all of those different things that run through your head as a mother. Um, and so I just, I really learned like how, okay, now he's here. Like, how do I need to support him? I had no idea how to support myself. 
I had a really tough time um, recovering. Um, he was in the NICU and then he had surgery. And so he was in the um, pediatric ICU after that. And then we brought a newborn baby home and who had just had surgery. So it was a little bit scary. I didn't take care of myself, didn't know any of this information. So I just like spent the first like two years of his life just studying as much as I could. And then with, and so I had every induction except for a C-section, but it came close with him and my daughter had a home birth. (laughs) So I had two complete opposite sides of the spectrum as far as birth goes. (laughs) And, uh, And so it just, it was really great to have these experiences and to see the differences of what it's like when you take care of yourself and when you don't, and when you're educated and when you're not, because there's so much fear around birth. And when you don't know, it causes more fear. And fear really delays labor. It affects your recovery. It affects your the way you parent. Um, there's just so many facets to it. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, one thing that I have, I loved hearing stories of you talking about how you would like work with moms who you wouldn't start working with them until maybe their second or third child. And they would share that they had like finally had the, you know, like the birth that they always wanted, you know, with their, the experience with their child, they always wanted. And it did come down to just like having the right information. And before I started working with you, I really couldn't, I could think of a couple like prenatal tips off the top of my head and a couple postnatal tips, but like, I didn't, I also didn't understand like all the stages of labor and all of the different nutritional needs of a mother before and after birth, and especially the recovery process of a mom in our culture here in the States, we really rush that. In some cultures, it's a very revered, sacred time. You know, postpartum is like protected for moms, you know, like for months. Um, And here in here, we're just like, we applaud it as soon as you can get back into work. You know, like we just, we kind of really rush that process. And so. And weight loss and that part too. Yeah. yeah, How good good do you look after having a baby? And, you know, I've had so many moms like, oh, six weeks in, like I'm overweight and I need to do I'm like chill out. Let's <laughs> yeah, just a few weeks. Yeah. So that's, that's what's, yeah, totally. So that's what I really love too, is like your education is not just for like the brand new mom who's never had a child, you know, like this is, can literally be for anyone and even people who don't have kids. So we can know how to support women going through this process, this miracle. So, yeah. So thank Who you so much for that to say, sorry to interrupt you. Um, with, with second and third time moms, I found too, they found that some of the, the older kids would um, have, uh, they would revert back. Like if they were potty trained, they would stop being potty trained. They would have some regression in some area and they were really frustrated. And I was like, it's the baby. So teaching the mom how to handle the older ones as well and how to support them through the transition of the baby is one thing too. And um, that's just not talked about. And then first time moms, a lot of times, and I was guilty of this, was like, breastfeeding is going to be easy. This is natural. I took care of children. Like, I nannied. I know children. This is going to be easy and natural. And I didn't do much research. And I had a lot of fear, not just because of my son's condition, but just the birth process. I had no idea what was happening to my body throughout the whole thing. And so that causes a lot of fear. And so for that's why second and third time moms are like, please, I need you because... I did that with my first. So like, if you've never had a kid before, it is really important to learn all these things. 
That's awesome. Good. Well, I'm so excited to get into it. I think we laid a lot of groundwork for how big of an impact that this type of information can make. Um, so I'm really grateful for the role you play in society. But so let's just start jumping into it then when it comes to, you know, we have like kind of these three stages, you know, the prenatal stage where you're preparing for delivery, delivery itself, and then postnatal postpartum. So do you want to start with prenatal? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you're pregnant. It's if they say nine months, it's really 10 months. Um, but during this time, like a lot of times, so the heart and the brain are being developed in the first four to five weeks. A lot of times before most women even know they're pregnant, unless you're trying, then you're, you know, you're taking tests pretty early. But if you're not, like a lot of times this these things are forming. And so if you know you want to have a baby, like your nutrition is so important because those are really like the heart and the brain are really important for our overall development and the way that we think and the way that we operate in the world. And our babies are feeling everything from us as mothers from the very beginning. They feel the people outside of us. They are connected. And, you know, if you've been in the holistic health educator world, you know a lot about that <laughs> from Karen T speaks a lot about that. You do too. Um, just how we're all so connected and our babies are connected to us. So they feel all of our feelings. They, they know what's going on around us. So what we're eating, how we're feeling, what we're thinking makes a big impact on their personality and how they come out. Um, so knowing, and you're also, you're growing a new organ, the placenta grows, it's a, it's a separate organ and you're growing a, a human. So the, they need all of these proteins and fats and carbs that we need to grow, to be healthy. So all their organs are functioning properly. And if we're not taking good care of ourselves, then our baby's not getting the best nutrition. And, you know, obviously we want healthy babies. Everyone's like, I want a happy, healthy baby, 10 figures, 10 toes, right? So when we can do these things, we have a better chance of having that healthy baby. And it also helps with birth and recovery too, because if you're not eating well and taking good care of yourself stress-wise, you, um, birth and recovery is a lot harder because you don't have the, the nutritional support for your organs and tissues and everything to repair. Because mm -hmm. when you're pregnant, the baby gets bigger and all your organs get pushed up. And that's why it's harder to breathe. That's why you have more like indigestion and constipation is really common because everything starts getting squished and you have to go to the bathroom all the time because your bladder squished. And, and so all of that doesn't just like go back after the baby's born. So knowing that ahead of time, when you're supporting yourself nutritionally, you can take care of that and, and help that. And also, which we'll talk about in a little bit, like taking care of that afterwards too, to help everything get back to where they need to be and keep you strong. And um, like our pelvic floors are really important. And also a lot of the, this, this time pregnancy birth can affect us in menopause. A lot of times, like the menopause symptoms, like um, throwing your back out a lot is related to us not taking care of ourselves during birth and postpartum and um, our pelvic floor and all of that, it's all connected. So it's, it's more than just this moment of 
these, you know, 10 months in birth. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. I didn't realize how connected that was, but that would make sense. The recovery of the pelvic floor muscles and engagement of that and the spine. So I remember you showing me a picture of what happens to the organs while the baby's growing and getting larger. And like, Oh, I looked at that. I was like, Oh, my heart goes out to every mom. I mean, they know how it feels um, when their organs are like smushed up to their, you know, their upper chest and their lower body. But it was just an incredible diagram to see the, the imagery of that. And another thing I like that you did mention is like your body is going to really prioritize like creating a healthy baby. So all that can mean is like, if you're, if like someone's eating the nutrients, um, and in your body is prioritizing growing the child, then maybe the mother will lack energy or she'll feel fatigue or she'll feel headaches from having nutrient deficiencies because they're getting passed on to the baby. Cause the body's like, we need to prioritize growing this thing. And so, um, that's another way that I just thought, I remember you talking a lot about nutrition in your course, um, just because you want to help moms sustain their energy levels and overcome morning sickness and not feel all that fatigue because when there is like ample nutrition in their diet, like nutrient dense food, um, then it's not like a war between who gets it between the mommy and the baby. So yeah, I love that you mentioned that. Did you want to give any specific tips when it comes to nutrition for the prenatal period? Um, that, well, eating for two is a myth because you're not growing an adult sized person in your belly. You're growing a baby. So you don't need to eat for two adults. A lot of people are like, I can eat whatever I want. I'm pregnant. I have all these cravings. Um, and we do get cravings. You know, some, some people don't have any, some people have aversions, some people have cravings and it's okay to, to eat certain things like to give in to some of those, but you need to be really aware of what those are. And a lot of times you're craving certain foods because you have another nutrient deficiency. So keeping, I have a whole list. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of it, but I go through all of the things that are essentially needed, you know, hydration, you want to drink half your weight in ounces. And as you get bigger, because you will, you have a baby, um, your amount of water intake needs to go up. Um, you know, you need to have healthy fats and fiber and um, eliminate slash limit processed foods, sugar, uh, caffeine, those things are really can really affect your energy and um, how the baby's developed. Um, folate is another really important one. Um, a lot of times, like there's foods that are fortified with folic acid or prenatal vitamins have folic acid. Folic acid is a synthetic version of folate and our bodies do not process it as well. Um, so you want to have an actual folate and I have a list of foods that have folate in it and there's certain prenatal vitamins. So when you're taking prenatals, um, make sure that it says folate, not folic acid. And that's a really important thing to distinguish because it does make a huge difference and folate makes a big difference in their, um, in the fetal development and growth. Um, you want to have um, adequate iron, veggies and fruits, um, making sure your ingredients, like knowing what you're eating, reading labels, not just for the food you're putting in, but what you're putting on your skin as well, because that makes a big difference as well, because all those chemicals that we put on our skin gets absorbed through the placenta to the baby as well. And when they're, when they're born too, baby's skin is a lot thinner and they absorb and their digestive systems are developed, their immune system still de developing. Um, so they absorb chemicals more than we do. So we really need to be aware of that. Um, EMFs as well, um, that can really affect the baby's growth. So no laptops on your lap during pregnancy, um, keep your phones on airplane mode um, and out of your pockets. Um, 
when the baby is born, try not to have your phone next to them very often. Um, you know, keep it on airplane mode again because um, they, they're made of water and water absorbs electricity. And so when we're pregnant too, we have more, um, our blood goes up for a little about 50% our um, blood levels. So we need more water. We have more water in our bodies. Our babies ha are, have more water in them. So all the electricity is really important because we're conducting that constantly. And it's not something you can really see, mm -hmm. um, but it, it can make a difference in development and growth and how you feel and how your baby is reacting to once they're born. Yeah. Um, the concept of grounding, like during pregnancy and after your baby's born is just really cool. Um, for anyone who's seen the documentary on grounding, that's available on Amazon. Uh, really cool. There's a, there's a mom in there who talks about her baby is just like really sensitive to electricity and EMFs. I mean, a lot of, a lot of babies are. And so as soon as she would step outside on the grass barefoot, the baby would stop crying and would get completely calm. And that baby loved being grounded. And, and I'm, and, and I'm talking about the electrical sense of grounded. I mean, there's beautiful heart grounding exercises, but I mean, like literally like, um, allowing the electrical waves running through the earth to neutralize your body's electrical currents that we absorb from living in a super electrical world. And so, you know, she would step on the grass and the baby would just like relax and, and stop crying. And then as soon as she stepped back on concrete or go back inside the house, like the baby would get all, all uptight again. So it's really interesting to think that like kids can be affected, um, just, or babies can be affected by electricity that much, but they're, yeah, they're very sensitive at this point in their life. Yeah. That's one of the tips I give. For, for a fussy baby. And a lot of times I'm um, getting a little bit ahead, but there's this time that's called like where they can have this like cluster feeding fussy evenings time. And it's really common for a lot of babies and it's extremely frustrating for mothers. <laughs> um, but one of the things, if you know, that's going to happen, go outside and ground before that time. So if like their fussy period is, you know, five to seven, go outside from like three to four, four, you know, four or five o'clock, like go outside ground, hold your baby, do that, go for a walk barefoot and help them be regulated before that fussy time. Um, and if you're, if you forget to do that, then, you know, go out when they're fussy and yeah. the neighbors will be fine. <laughs> That's awesome. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, that's, those are great tips though. So I loved hearing that. Thank you for going through that list. So that was fun listening. That was a lot under the nutrition section. She was just kind of listing through a bunch of things. Um, and if you are looking for more support, she provides great recipe books and more detailed, like there's a whole workbook you get if you enroll in her prenatal and postnatal health course. Um, so you get a lot of that support, but, um, I hope when a main takeaway is just, this isn't meant to feel overwhelming, but just empowering that all of these little changes, like really affect energy levels and, um, and help support your body as it's going through so many of these big changes. Um, they can be game changers. So for how, how a mom feels during pregnancy. So. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you start during pregnancy, you start developing these habits. So when the babies are here, you've started these habits already. So it's easier to keep them as your child grows because all of the nutrition in here, I mean, minus like the prenatal vitamins is for your kid as they grow up too. Like you want them to eat the same way. And all of these things, the healthy fats and stuff are really great for, for their growth. And so getting in the habit of having these foods in your home already will help your children as they grow. And the, from conception to seven years is the most vital time of a child's life. And, you know, that's when they're developing, that's when they're 
they're learning all their beliefs about the world, their whole, they're completely subconscious up until this time. And then their, their brain shifts and then they become more in that conscious state, but they, they just take in everything during this time and they, um, they make meaning out of, out of everything. So what we're doing, how we're feeding them, how we're behaving really affects them during this time. So that's like where my heart lies is these first seven years. Yeah. Of a child's life. Total and, and too, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Total side tangent, but my friend just got a grant from the government to teach like um moms. She was working in a low income area, but this applies to moms everywhere. Um, how to use finger puppets with their newborns. She just got a grant to like whole, run a whole program that teaches finger puppet techniques to moms because she said it's so good for developing cognitive development with newborns that like this is like a, a form of primary prevention that will prevent um, uh, cognitive disorders in their by the time they get to elementary school and secondary school and by the time they're teenagers is getting the engagement while they're in this newborn period because how much like just talking to them and making faces with them and the interactions like causes so much cross-wiring in their brains and so I thought that was like really interesting because we there's so much right now dealing with like teenage um just like mood disorders and cognitive development. And we, we measuring, we're measuring IQ, like from the time they're like, you know, they have to take these like standardized tests, like every single year at school. And so they're like the true form of prevention. If we want to like improve cognitive performance is to like address them while they're in an infant stage. So it's like, wow, that's a really cool. That's really cool. And how we treat them in these first seven years is how, like one correlation is how we treat them is how they're going to treat us as teenagers. (laughs) Oh dear. <laughs> so, like toddlers and teenagers, there's a very big correlation in um, how they react. But another thing with you, with you mentioning that, if you do have an infant, um, particularly like a child under three, four years old, and right now with caregivers getting masks, if they're somewhere where they have masks, that's that's to, that's um, blocking their developmental because they babies really rely on seeing mouths and seeing expressions. And it is really important for their developmental stage. So if you do happen to have a child, a small child who is somewhere where they have masks, make sure that when you're at home with them, you are like face to face doing a lot of engagement so that we can, you can help them develop those skills that they need because it will help them with, with their, with their coping skills as well. Not just learning how to talk and and all of that. That is a great tip. So thank you so much, Sarah. Love it. Amazing. Okay. So anything else you want to cover for prenatal or do you want to start getting into the delivery section? Let's just go into delivery. Um, there's, so there's so much to cover so we can, <laughs> um, but so birth is, you know, when the baby comes and, um, there's a lot of people ask me about birth plans. Do I need one? Do I not need one? There's a lot of information out there that says, yes, no, it just, it's kind of conflicting. I say you do need one, um, but this is not for your doctor or provider. That's the caveat. A lot of people create a birth plan and they, you know, bring it to the hospital or they give it to their midwife. If you're having a midwife, like a home birth or a birth center birth, um, they're a little more, um, into following the birth plan. But if you're going to a hospital, you're going to have a nurse who you've probably never met before. And if you're there for a while, your nurse is going to change. So the likelihood of them reading that birth plan is not very high. They just usually just kind of put it on the side. Maybe they'll go over it. The um, OB usually doesn't um, unless you've really talked with them about it, but it's, it's good for them to know, but it's really more for you and the people who are going to be there with you at birth. 
because there are a lot of decisions that need to be made. Um, and sometimes when things go differently, um, you are not the person to be making new decisions. So your, your partner, your mother, your sister, your doula, whoever else is there, part of your birth team, the birth plan is for you guys to all be on the same page. And like I said, you do want to share it with your provider, but it's not so much for them as it is for you and your birth team, I like to call it. <laughs> um, mm. So because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of fear involved with birth. Um, and when you have people around you that help you feel safe, that is so important for uh having a delivery that, that runs smoothly without delays, without interruptions, because you can go from like seven centimeters dilated and go back down to like four just because of fear and you can regress in your birth. And, um, there's a story, I don't know her, but the woman who, who I trained under for birth education, she was sharing about one of her clients that had, she was, um, this is just to elude like how much birth is in our, in our mind. So she was, she was in the middle of labor. She and her boyfriend were together. Like they were planning on being together. They wanted to spend their lives together, but they weren't married. And she felt really bad about having this baby, not being married. And so they were like the doula, she was the doula there. She's like, let's call the chaplain. So they called in the hospital chaplain, got them married. And within like two hours, the baby came out. Like, cause she had just stopped progressing in labor because she was so worried about having a baby out of wedlock. Like to her, it was a big deal. And to other people, it's something else, <clears throat> but you want to have this, this sense of safety. If you think of animals, like a cat will go, like if you follow a cat who's going in labor, they're going to like hide from you. If they're like, be like, I'm not having my baby here. Cause somebody's watching me. So let me go try to find this place. And then they try to find this place. And then you wake up and your baby had, you know, six kittens, because they want to go somewhere dark. They want to go somewhere safe. They don't want anybody around them. And that's kind of how we are. Like we are animals and that's what we need. We need that safety. And so having a birth plan and creating your tribe are really important. And so the people who are there with you when you're giving birth makes such a difference. The atmosphere, you want to bring things with you to make sure. And that's part of your birth plan is having a list of things that's going to help you to feel safe no matter where you are. If you don't feel safe at home because you're afraid like something going wrong, have a baby at the hospital. If you don't like hospital policies and you're like afraid that things are going to happen that you don't want, go to a birth center or have a home birth. Like, you know, like you can change and you can change at any time. I was going to have a um, birth center birth with my daughter, my second child. And at seven months pregnant, I was like, I want to have a home birth. And so I found a midwife who was able to come to my home and I just change it seven months pregnant. So you can, you can do it at any time. It's, it's, you just want to be really safe and be informed and understand what's happening to your body, what your provider, wherever you decide to go, what their policies are, um, things that they do, um, knowing, and all this is in the course, but knowing like what their pain management is, um, what their C-section rates, uh, how much um, induction medications do they use? What kind do they use? When do they use them? Um, knowing newborn procedures, because a lot of these things you can say no. You don't, you're pregnant, you're not sick. And a lot of times pregnant women are treated as being sick. And so we want to really get rid of that. I'm sick. 
mentality, like being treated like your sick mentality and be like, this is, I'm giving birth to a human life. Like this is a really beautiful and sacred experience. And so you want to have that throughout the whole time because that's what we're meant to do. Like, that's just, you know, if you hear about like wild women squatting in the woods, like that's, that's how we started having babies. And we've had babies for a lot of years and things have been fine. And medical is amazing, but they also overdo it. Mm-hmm. And so you got to find that balance. Yeah. All. Like without medical, like my child, my birth would have been fine, but my child would not have survived past a week if we didn't have modern technology. So like, I'm so thankful for that, but birth wise, I didn't need all the things that I had done. Yeah. I did not need all of the interventions, but I was scared into getting them and there was so much fear and I didn't know. And when I was going through the process of birth, the stages of labor, I didn't know where I was in the labor and they weren't teaching. They weren't telling me like, this is where you are. This is where we're going next. I was just like, oh my gosh, this hurts. Is this going to happen for like 12 more hours? Cause I can't deal with this. Mm-hmm. Like, Give me an epidural. Yeah. And, and they don't tell you that they're just like, oh, you want, you're hurting. We can give you drugs. You want drugs? You know, that's how, that's what it was like in the hospital where I was. So, yeah. And that's one thing I loved about you talking about your birth plan or creating your birth plan and like getting your team on board is, um, you know, it's not just about like, what color do you want the car seat to be on your way home? Like, it's like, how do you train your relatives to be your advocates in, in a hospital setting when you know what you want and you don't want ahead of time? Like, how can you train them? If like you said, like, sometimes there's just like, it's too much pressure on the mom to make those decisions on the moment in the moment. And so if you can all be on the same page about what you're comfortable with and not comfortable with, then they can advocate for you, um, you know, in that room. And one little side tip that I love that you mentioned, even something as small as like, you know, a lot of times they'll want to hook the mom up to an IV the whole time. And if you're like, okay, I'm not comfortable with that because they might not ask me before they start dripping things into the IV, you can at least get, have them, um, let them set it up so that if something does go wrong, they, you know, the needles already in, they can plug you into the IV. So you can like, let them know, Hey, I'm comfortable with you getting this all set up and like strapped to my arm. But if it's okay, I want to keep it unplugged from the IV unless something goes wrong. Because you said like, sometimes it's just standard medical procedure. Baby's born, you know, boop, 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 get some drops in the IV that help with what, you know, X, Y, Z. And so anyway, I just thought like those little side tips are really cool. Like I would have never thought about that to put, include all those little details in my birth plan. Yeah. That's called a hip block. So you just ask for hip block. So if you're going and you don't want, you want minimal interventions in a hospital, you ask for a hip block. Because if you don't get the IV, if you refuse the IV, your nurses and the doctors are going to be really nervous and you're going to have that nervous energy. So that's like kind of a middle ground to be like, okay, I'll have the IV. It's there if you need it, but it's not available. So, Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. Karen, did you want to pop on? Otherwise, we will just keep on going here. We have some really enthusiastic moms on the call with us today. So I just didn't know. No, just, just keep going. I just, I thought it was interesting because years and years before we had holistic health educators, probably back in 2008, 2010, I was doing research, Sarah, and we are the 35th safest country in the world to have a baby and expect the baby to live until they're one. And then when I wrote my book, I'm like, I have to really make sure that's, and it was still the same number. Like, it's like, okay, so can you all name 35 other countries, you know? And it was like, just bizarre to think that we, with all of our glamour and beautiful birthing centers and, oh, it's such a big scene, you know, and order whatever you want off the menu when you're done having the baby, you know, it's like the likelihood of having your baby 
live until they're one, you really have to take things in your hand. And that's why I'm so glad we have your program, Sarah, because you've just, you did such a wonderful job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So I love, I just love that you're mentioning, like just giving confidence in women that like, this is supernatural Mm -hmm. and you can do this. Um, you know, like it doesn't need to be treated like you're a sick person. So I love that you mentioned that. And then also the stages of labor. Is it okay before we move on, Sarah, if I just share one of the biggest things that stood out to me from when you taught the stages of labor to me, it was that, um, our pain peaks, um, not when we're actually having the baby, but right before. And so, you may be like your pain may be increasing and increasing and increasing. And what's that period called? Transition. Transition is the most uncomfortable time period. And that's actually before the actual birth. And so before pushing. Okay. So I like was so calm. I was like, this is important to know because I'm like picturing myself having a baby one day and then like things getting so painful and being like, it couldn't get worse than this. Like, what am I going to do? And so if I could just have the mental note, like, Oh, you know what? This is actually going to climax. And then it'll go down during the actual pushing process. So like just having like little tips of that in my mind, I imagine help moms, you know, a lot to know what's going on. Right. So again, like when you know what's happening to your body, you're able to be like, okay, I'm in this stage now. Transition is the shortest stage. It's the most painful stage, but it's the shortest. And so when you know you're there, you're like, okay, the baby's about to be here because you can't get to transition if you're not almost ready to push. So then when you push it, the intensity goes down. And then once you have the baby, you have this like euphoric oxytocin floods. And there's so many hormones that are in play with, um, uh, birth. So there's like, there's the, the love hormone, which is oxytocin, but then there, you also have um, epinephrine and norepinephrine. That's what's used to push the baby out. But when you don't know what's happening to your body and you don't feel safe or something makes you feel scared that the adrenaline replaces the oxytocin. And that's why you stall in labor. And that's when um, your provider, even if it's a home birth, if they don't know how to help you through whatever mental block you have going on, um, it can, it can lead to being like, okay, well, we're having delayed labor or, you know, there's a couple different ways. Um, I just went blank, but it's like progression, delayed progression of labor, something like that's a technical term. And so then they'll be like, okay, well, we can't, we've got to get this baby out of you because you've been in labor for X amount of hours. And, you know, and all it is, it can be like, that's why I shared the story about the woman who want to get married. Cause it's, it can be just a small little mind shift, mindset shift. And some of it is just knowing what's happening to your body. Then you're not scared of the pain of the discomfort. Um, and a lot of people are like, I don't want to call it pain. We'll call it, um, uh, riding the wave or whatever, but it doesn't feel good. Like it's not, some people have had, um, completely plain, painless births. I, I tried that, but it didn't work for me. It was (laughs) uncomfortable. It did not feel good, but I knew what was happening to my body. This is with my second anyway. And so I was just like, okay, I'm in this stage. I can do this. And I was like, okay, now I'm in this stage. Like no big deal. I got this. And I was just, it was just like, it was easy and it didn't, it wasn't a big deal because I knew what was happening. That's awesome. Okay. Well, that was so informative. So thank you all good things to keep in mind as we're creating a birth plan. Um, what tips do you have or advice do you have for when things start to not go according to plan and how do, how do you mentally cope with that and still find that peace of mind when things aren't, 
you know, aren't, aren't going how you envisioned it. Well, that's when you want to have all of this mindset stuff prepared ahead of time. So in the course, I talk about some um, mindset tools to use. Um, there are actually some that I didn't share that are like, I don't, I don't think I talked about like EFT and tapping, you know, which is tapping. Um, but there's so many different mindset tools that you can use. And so once you start practicing them, when you're in the moment, it's a lot easier to utilize them. And again, that's why having your team is so important because if they're not on the same page, they don't know how to help you. So like with my first birth, my husband was like, you're in pain. You said you didn't want, you didn't want uh, pain medication, but you're in pain. So what do I do? Do I, do I like, he didn't know if he needed to talk me out of it or if he was like, okay, if he needs to encourage me. So he felt scared and lost because he didn't know. And, you know, so it was just like, but with my second, he was just like, okay, here's what we do. Here's how it is. And I was like, Hey, I need, and I knew I was like, Hey, can you, can you come do this? Or can you read me some affirmations? Um, so we knew what to do to help through that. So that's just like a, an example. So when you have those people around you and you have a midwife or an OB that you really trust, you know that if something is gonna go the way you didn't want it to go, like if there is a C-section or there is medication needed, you trust your provider so much that you're gonna be like, okay, you're not gonna tell me to do something that wouldn't that would be harmful to me because you know who I am, you know what I want, you know my desires for my birth. And they're not going to tell you something that wouldn't be beneficial to you. You know, they're not going to say, well, let's have a C-section because I have a dinner party to go to. Like, they're going to be like, we need to have a C-section because there really is something going on. And I, and I feel like this is the best decision and you will trust them. So that's why having these people around you are so important Mm -hmm. for those unplanned scenarios. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them is, is when you're in a hospital and you've had this plan with your OB and you have a really great relationship with them, but they're either at another birth <clears throat> that's going longer or they had a family emergency for some reason and they can't be there. So somebody shows up who's not your OB that you've made this plan with that can cause some panic. Um, usually they don't show up until it's pushing time anyway. Um, but that's when you want to have a really good rapport with your nurse. So you usually have some time to um talk to your nurse. And if you don't like your nurse at a hospital, you can ask for a new one. Always like, you don't have to do anything that you're not comfortable with. (laughs) So always like, make sure you have those people around you and just, and just be like, okay, well, I know that this is a possibility. So when you're preparing yourself mentally, okay, there's a possibility that my OB is not going to be the one there to deliver my baby. Okay. Here's some things I can do. And I, and I break down in the workbook, there's like, here's the scenario here's what you can do to help with this scenario. So I have some different ideas of ways that you can cope with that. Um, I talk about a breech birth. What what happens if you have a breech baby? You'll know that before you deliver. Um, uh, What are some, I can't think of them all right now. Um, Your OB, uh, let me find that page. But yeah, those are just a couple of different things. And it's just all about preparing your mindset, making yourself strong, preparing for the unexpected, because being a mother, babies are unexpected. You could be at the grocery store and all of a sudden there's like, they're screaming and you're like, oh, great. Okay. Now what do I, you have a choice. Like, what are you going to do in that moment? Like you can't control your child from crying for whatever reason, whether they're an infant or they're a toddler or they're eight, nine years old mm-hmm. or teenager, even who knows. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's just, you've got to start preparing for the unexpected, no matter what in life. So this pregnancy time is really good time to 
to get that going. Does that answer the question? Totally. That and totally because <laughs> that actually surprised me, but I loved it because I was expecting like, you know, like, oh, we'll have, you know, if this is the plan, have this backup plan and then this plan and, you know, still wanting to have everything in control. But you're talking about developing the mental skill sets of like, how to talk yourself through changes of adaptation of like creating peace with what's happening in the moment of like, instead of like, Oh, things are, this isn't what I expected. Like this is, you know, everything's going wrong. You know, like doing those mental uh, training on mindset going into it that like, you know what, no matter what happens, like at the end of the day, like, you know, you know, whatever your peace, your peace objectives are, you know, just like developing those mental skill sets ahead of time. I love that you talked about that so that no matter what does happen, you know how to like keep your calm and like be open to adaptation. So thank you for mentioning that. That was awesome. You're welcome. And that helps with everything in life, right? Like no matter what's going on, you know, there's a lot of things in the world that are unexpected and wait, how are we going to, how are we going to handle it? What are we going to do? I love it. Amazing. Well, we can use these last few minutes then to talk about postpartum care, which could be its own call all on its own. Because you and I both have, we've like loved, I've loved traveling around the world and seeing how other cultures treat the postpartum period, because I was really surprised. Like I, you know, here in the States, when you grow up, like I thought it was completely standard practice for mom to have, you know, a few weeks off work, maybe like up to, if she got over a couple months, I'd be like, wow, like she's really taking her time you know, to recover. Like, and like the husband maybe takes off for like uh, two weeks, you know, and if that, and then and, and I, and this is like not putting any blame on moms. This has a lot to do with like our workforce. And, and thankfully some of these policies are finally changing finally, but like I went to Norway and it's like a year deal. Like it's like a year, like minimum. And then like also Africa has like their whole protocol and in Taiwan, this would be great for all of us, but they, um, they, the government pays to send a woman to the mom's house to help her the first month after her child's born. Like that's, if you don't have a mom who can step in or like a relative who can come, like the government pays and sends a woman to your house to like help make you tea, like Chinese medicinal tea and to like clean your house for you and prepare your meal. So you can like lay in bed for a month after your child's born. And I give serious props to moms who like are on their feet right away. Like this is not to say there's a right way or a wrong way to do anything. I'm just saying that um, there are a lot of cultures that value the recovery period a lot more than we do in the States. And I think it does put so much pressure on women's bodies and mental health to expect to be back to normal in these re- unreasonable timeframes after they do this incredible thing with their body. And it can bring a lot of peace to realize like, wow, this is going to be, a few, this is going to be a few weeks or a few months, you know, not, not more than just a few weeks. Like this is going to be, this is a recovery process. Like you said, your organs are moving around again and your body's healing. So I mean, think about what happens during birth, things get stretched and moved and all of it doesn't just like baby's out. Okay. We're back to normal. I can go run a marathon. Like you're not, when you run a marathon, you don't go run another one. Like you take some time to recover and rest. And that's how we need to treat birth. There's it's, it's um, like you said, it's, it's really fascinating to hear what other cultures do and sometimes the the woman in some cultures they'll move into their mother's home and their mother will take care of them for the the fourth trimester is the first 3 months after baby is born and so this fourth trimester is widely underrated and not utilized for care because a lot of times we're we're sent back to work at 6 or 8 weeks and if you know if you have a full-time job and that's just that's so soon when you ideally you want 40 days of rest 
Um, and most, pretty much every midwife will tell you, you want um, five days in the bed, five days on the bed and five days around the bed, just indicating that you need 15 days to just be like those 15 days, you don't need to be cooking and cleaning and exercising and doing things. You just need to take care of your baby, eat when you need to eat, go to the bathroom, take showers. You know, you can walk outside, you can do those kinds of things, but you want to just, you don't want to go for a walk around the block. You just can go outside to ground yourself and get some sunshine. And if it's cold out, sit in a window, but you want to really take that time. It's 15 days. And most people are like, what, 15 whole days? I can't do that. And I'm like, it's 15 days of your life. Like, It's going to make such a big difference. Because one thing that I found talking with mothers of all ages, like grandmothers too, I've even worked with grandmothers who, you know, want to help learn how to take care, how to take care of their daughters and their um, grandchildren too. Um, we don't take care of ourselves during this postpartum time, this fourth trimester, and our body never heals. And when something doesn't heal, there's always this irritation. It's like, it's like scratching us like picking a scab and constantly picking a scab, like it never, it won't ever heal if you don't leave it, if you don't let it heal and give it the right things that it needs to heal, eat the foods, put a bandaid, whatever. Um, and so when we don't let ourselves heal from this, then we always have this little irritation and it will come out as um, something physical, it can, or it will be, you'll be less patient when your child gets older. Um, you're find that you're yelling more or you're just more irritable or, something of that sort I've found. And just, like I said, talking to moms of all ages, they're like, you are so right. Like I didn't take care of myself. And I just felt bad all the time. Like you just never recover. And this time, like you're not sleeping well because you know, your baby's waking up every couple of hours and they need to wake up every couple of hours. So also kind of preparing yourself. I mean, that's part of why we had, I think, I think anyway, I don't know if this is scientific, but like there's you know, you get up and you have to go to the bathroom more in the middle of the night because of your bladder. Like that's kind of preparing you for getting up with your baby because you start getting used to get waking up more often throughout the night. Hmm. Um, but it's just, it's really important to prepare for that and be like, okay, this is just a, a time period. These first three months, like you don't want to put your baby on a schedule. You just want to let them be and you be and just adapt to each other and learn each other. And that's, a, it's just such a sacred time. And it's, it's, this is what I think this is the foundation of motherhood, because when we really honor this time, these first three months and um, take the time to rest, eat the foods that allow us to heal and, and um, bond with our baby, bond with our, our husbands, our partners, the other children in the family, anybody who's living in your home, like take this time to bond together. Because when, when, especially when two parents are together, like that is I have this quote that I wrote down that I wanted to share because I thought it was really cool. Um, parents who are happy and healthy and able to slow down enough to really connect to their family are the greatest contribution to helping babies imprint being happy, healthy, and attuned to their own inner path. And when we can help our baby, when we're attuned to who we are, we can help them attune to their own inner path and they grow up knowing these things. They grow up with these coping skills already because they watch us. They're mimics of what we do. So when you hear your toddler like talk back to you, a lot of times they've heard it from you or a caregiver or somebody that they're around or something that they've watched on TV or something. Um, so they're constantly watching us. And when we are taking care of ourselves, they're learning how to take care of themselves. 
from the very beginning, we kind of like, we kind of disregard babies like, oh, they don't know, they're not going to remember, but they do, because everything in our body stays in our bodies. And I'm even learning it with working with adopted children too, who have had really traumatic pregnancies and birth and seeing them at nine years old and working with them how to regulate their system. These parents adopted, I have one, one client right now, she adopted him at five months old. So she got him at a very young age, but he has trauma from his, from the pregnancy and birth. And so it really does affect them as they grow. So we want to, we want to really honor and cherish this time. Excuse us. Hold you, we have a a, a (laughs) cameo here. Um, It turns off. Okay, you guys go play up down in just a little bit, okay? Open in just a little bit. I was out here and make something else inside here. Here, okay. You can color in there. Um, One one thing that I did love that you also mentioned um, when talking about that fourth trimester period and how to like improve um, family harmony is uh, like being very intentional to include the other children and other family members in like as many things as possible so that instead of it being like, you know, they always talk about Uh, you know, when like all the attention gets shifted away, whether this is a pet or a child or in friendships, like that can cause the other, you know, person to feel neglected or overlooked or ignored, you know, during that time period. Like we hear all, we hear the stories with like incoming babies or, you know, new adopted children or even pets, you know, adding one dog to the family, the other dog gets angry. So you just talked a lot about like trying to figure out how to like help involve the family as much as possible, even when the mom's resting, you know, just so that it can be like a team effort instead of feeling like you're now all of a sudden your attention's needing to be divided in all these other areas. Um, do you want to talk about that for just a minute? Yeah, there's, um, the, our language we use is really important with our husbands and with the other kids in the home. Um, I always say like, there's more than one way to change a diaper. A lot of times as moms, like we get really protective and we're like, no, you're doing it wrong. You're holding it wrong. You can't do that. I'm like, like they love this child. They're not going to like drop them or, you know, like it's okay if they're holding them a little bit awkward, like allow them to, to learn how to be a parent as well. Um, And and let them do things like let them practice holding. I mean, you can help, you can help share like, oh, if they're holding the bottle different. Um, that's really cool. This buddy. is called a scribble <laughs> That's okay. And scribble That's really cool, buddy. <laughs> um, it's okay that, that they're doing it for you to like share tips and help them out. But you also want to allow them to figure things out on their own is one thing. And with older children, sometimes we're like, I can't play with you right now because the baby needs to eat or the baby needs to be changed. I can't do this because of the baby. So when we switch that to, oh, I would love to play with you. Um, let's go change the baby's diaper first. Or if you can't play with them right now, just, just say like, I, you know, give them a time frame. like, okay, we can play after this. I'm going to take a nap. I need to rest and we'll play later. Why don't you go play with your dad or, you know, whatever that I'm totally making things up, but whatever works for you in that time, instead of saying, I can't do this with you because of the baby, they start to resent that baby. So Mm -hmm. we want to include them, have them help us um, doing baby things or just coming along with us. Sometimes it's just them being in the room while you're changing the diaper, they feel included. 
instead of pushed aside because of the baby. And that will help a lot of the regression that can happen too. And if they do have regression with something, then that's fine. Just, just know that it's because of this change and they're learning how to manage their feelings around this change. Even if they adore this new little sibling, Mm -hmm. they can, they still have these feelings and that's for older kids too. Sometimes we think it's only for toddlers, but parents who have like nine, 10, 12 year olds, like they still are, they still want their mom and it's still an adjustment for them. So being aware of that is really important. And again, with, with our husbands and partners, making sure that they're feeling included as well. Cause sometimes we, we tend to be like, I know how to do it. I'm the mom. I know it all. You're doing it wrong. Like avoid that as well. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, those are great tips. So thank you so much, Sarah. Um, and for anyone who's been listening to this, um, I hope you know that this is like just coming from a place of of total love and however you've been doing things, like you're amazing being a mom. So I haven't had the honor of being children into the world yet, but I have been a nanny for five families. And every time I move in with, I've moved in with a new family. I have been astonished that this woman was doing it on her own. Like the last family I nannied for. So they were like kind of an extreme situation, but they had five kids under the age of five. Like the, her mom, she just got pregnant back to back and she's like, cool, we're going to have them all in one batch. And then they can grow up together and be best friends, you know? And so I moved in and like, five kids under the age of five. And I loved it. Cause I came from a family of 11. So like, I love playing with kids. I love like playing horse, you know, and like, you know, playing, interacting with them. But every time I move into a new home, I'm like, how are these moms doing it? Like literally society's superstars, like between balancing, you know, they're, I'm so happy our society is getting better at breaking the whole, like, Oh, you're a stay at home mom. Like, what do you even do during the day? Like, I'm so happy we're overcoming that because it is so much to manage between like taking care of children and everything else that needs attention in a home. And so what I just loved about like what you're trying to provide here, like none of this is to guilt trip moms. None of this is to make it be like, oh, you should be doing it this way. Or if you didn't do it this way, like your kids, you know, going to have this problem now, like none of it's about that at all. It's all about like, how can you have the energy to get through the day and feel comfortable in your body again and be satisfied with the relationships that are happening in your life and prevent postpartum depression, you know, and, and prevent postpartum mood disorders, whatever they may be. Like, it's all just from a place of like how much we adore moms. Like I couldn't, I like have a little clip at the end of your course where I'm just like crying. Cause I'm like, there's no position in society. I respect more than motherhood, nothing, like nothing. I respect more than motherhood. And I just want that for moms. I want them to know what they can eat, what they can take, what mental skill sets they can have to make this whole process easier on them. Because having breakdowns is real. Having like a total breakdown is so real. And that's that's not even weird. <laughs> like it's a lot going on hormonally in your body with your neurotransmitters and your hormones balancing after birth. And then also just like the demands that are placed upon you and, and the changes, like it's... Um, it is really normal to have like a mental health recovery period after your child's born and like studying neurotransmitters will help give more peace about that. Cause you're like, Oh, I wonder how my brain chemistry is different right now. You know, it's not like it's your fault, but it can just be so helpful to have all these tools in your toolbox to know, like, how can you make your, your fourth trimester, the afterglow, you call it the afterglow, you know, you're not talking about like how to, how to get through one of like the hardest times of your life. You're like, no, like we want, I want you to feel like you're glowing. And so anyway, so I just, I love that that's your whole attitude with your program is just like about loving mothers and, and giving them the support that they need. Yeah. 
I just had to, yeah, I just had to throw that out there. Cause like none of this, I just, I have been around enough moms to know that mom guilt is real and like feeling like everything that goes wrong with your child is your fault. And like, you know, feeling like, like just the weight of the whole world's on your shoulders. And like, I just had to mention like nothing about what we talked about is meant to cause any kind of mom guilt at all. Your kids, your kids are amazing. You're doing amazing. Humans are the most resilient species on planet earth. Like we're so resilient. And so people can go through like horrible conditions and still turn out like superstars just because of how resilient we are. But, but all of that said, these tips when applied can make a world of difference in how you feel and how your kids feel. So start where you're at today. Yeah. Um, Whatever's happened before, just start now, whatever, wherever you can be. And that's why I have a postpartum care plan. I call it post baby bliss. And it, and when you go through questions to help you both mentally and physically to do this, and you do this with your husbands and, and your family members to help you figure out how do you guys work together? How can you do these? And if they're really great questions that you probably haven't thought about before and how you're going to rest and visitors and all of these things really matter in the care of a mother and the way that we head into our motherhood and like I said, start, you know, if this is your second, third, fourth, fifth baby, whatever, and you haven't done these things before, like you can do it now, even if you're done having kids, wherever you're, whatever stage your kids are in, you can use the health tips. You can do all of these different things to help you through life and help your kids grow. And, you know, it's just, I can keep going. I just love talking about it. <laughs> yeah, well, your postpartum care section was awesome. I loved it. So, and and what you said in the former section about nutrition tips for pregnancy, a lot of that is still the same with postpartum care. Just like helping your body get all of our membranes are built out of fats. So you talk a lot about just oils and the role that healthy oils play, like topically, but also internally, um, and just like helping our membranes recover. All of our membranes are lipid bilayers, and that that means they're built out of fat. And so we need to get enough of that in there, both for our membranes and also for our hormones. A lot of our hormones are cholesterol based. Um, and so just getting the healthy fats in there is huge and the hydration and the nutrient rich foods and the probiotics. So a lot of that all applies postpartum as well. Okay. Well, that was amazing. We're trying to like keep this in a relative time frame, even though, you know, you could talk for seven hours about all of these topics. It's so hard to keep it down. <laughs> but- yeah. Well, that was amazing. Would you like to share any last words before we go ahead and wrap up the recording? Um, just like love yourself wherever you are, like learn to really love yourself. Like it's hard to do because even if you grew up with a very loving family, a lot of us have discovered and motherhood is a discovery. It's a birth for, of yourself too. You discover so much about yourself. And I found with me and with a lot of moms, like, it's like, oh, I don't really love myself. Like I love this child so much more than I love me. And Mm -hmm. we need to learn to love ourselves just as much as we love these children. And even more so because when we do that, we change our behaviors just naturally. And that's what our kids see. So a lot of things like just as examples, when you can't take a compliment and you deflect compliments, someone's like, your hair looks good. You're like, Oh, I haven't had a cut in like so many days and you know like we we do that naturally and we can and then it becomes a habit and then we kind of do it all the time it's not like just thank you you know so learning those little things helps us to be more um, present mothers more a better example to our kids and also to know that you are going to lose it 
from time to time. You're going to have moments where you're crying. You're going to have moments where you want to pull your hair out or where you want to just like run away from your kid and just be like, I need some space, not literally run away, but you know, you're like, I just need some space. I don't want anybody to touch me for five minutes. And that's okay to have those feelings and learning how to regulate. And that's why I teach so much mindset in these court in this course, because it is really just about being able to in any moment, in any occasion, like love yourself and learn how to regulate in those moments. So we can teach our kids how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love that. I love that. That's like your final message. Cause one of the coolest things that I've been with, like some of the moms I've seen is seeing their transition of like stepping back into themselves after they felt like they lost themselves from like having their kids where they were like no longer doing their hobbies, no longer taking care of themselves. Like it was like a nine to nine. And I know like everyone would be like, yeah, it'd be great to have a living nanny. Of course I could find more time for myself, but these moms did it even after I left. It was for them. It was like about boundaries where they were like, you know what? Like I have to take care of myself. Cause I, as much as I love my kids, I will develop, they realized I will develop bitterness towards my kids. If I do not take care of myself and I don't, I love my kids too much to let myself get bitter to them towards them because I am, I'm not taking care of myself. And they had to learn how to put up those boundaries with their kids and those boundaries with what they're doing in their home because they're they were realizing like I'm not going to sacrifice my life I, I mean yeah I, I don't know how else to say it they're you know whatever their hobbies their personalities the rest of their life they're like I can have boundaries that's okay for me to have as a woman and then to see them like step back into their power in that aspect of like taking time for themselves again or like you know whatever creating these systems in their home where like husband wants monitors the kids during showtime so they can go to their YMCA class for an hour a day you know whatever it is that brought so much life back into their life like they totally transformed which was really cool to see so that's a whole nother call we'll wrap we it up whole, for today. we have a whole section in there about self-care and some of those things too but that's unexpected expectations will lead to resentment in any relationship and that can be with our kids so just being able to be like okay my kid's throwing a tantrum right now. I expected them to behave and now I resent my kid. You know, that's kind of like the pattern that happens. And so just being able to understand there are going to be unexpected expectations, again, preparing during the, the uh, pregnancy part, preparing for those unexpected expectations, unexpected things that could happen during birth. You may have nothing, but being prepared for that will prepare you for just life. Anyway, so. Yeah, I love it. Cool. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. We hope you got um, some snippets of um, tips and wisdom, whether you're a mom or you'll be supporting another mother. Um, we hope that you learned a lot from this. And thank you so much for joining us. So we will see you on the next call. And thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you. Hey, thank you for joining us. I hope you had as much fun as we did. If you would ever like to connect with us in person or live online for webinars, course certifications, events, conferences, parties, go ahead and check out our upcoming event schedule at www.holistichealtheducators.com. We would love to connect with you. We also host weekly live question and answer sessions. Until then, have a spectacular day.